Yes, indeed. Cross the Streams podcast. DMX. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Darkman X. Earl Simmons. Dishing on the Drive segment. Kip Ione, your host here with you. Um, you know, I'm sure you're hearing all these from a lot bigger hip-hop sources than us, obviously. But I, I, I've been thinking about this ever since his uh, heart attack last week. One of my favorite artists, rappers of all time, uh, DMX. And I want to write like a Medium article about the fandom in the retrospection of, of being a DMX fan. That I want to bring guests on to talk about it. Uh, that I want to do a list of best songs and, and do a tribute, so to speak, in that way from this little tiny platform. Um, but I settled on the podcast in addition on the drive segment because I knew I, I didn't want it to go too long um, because I, I wouldn't call my, myself um, an authority, you know, as far as, okay, where does DMX land in all-time lyricists? Where is the production quality of what Swiss Beats and the Rough Riders did for him compared to this other stuff? But I did think I was capable of 10, 15 minutes here discussing what maybe some of all, all you all are feeling too when, whenever an artist passes away and unfortunately you know i think those of us that, that have followed dmx's career and life story in the ways that you can you know whether it's through the tabloids gossips on the internet interviews that he does you know stories you see um, even appearances on some of those vh1 shows where he was in there you know with the addiction and in the demons in his life i think unfortunately you kind of start to realize that maybe these early passings sometimes are more a, a matter of when rather than if. Um, and, and I know it's, it'll be chronolo- chronicled and, and put in history in a better way than I'm capable of. Uh, but I, I did want to talk about just where DMX, how he impacted my life, um, and kind of the, the duplicities, if that's a word, the dualities, maybe that's a better word, of being a DMX fan. Um, so, so let's start history. I think the first time that I was exposed to DMX was probably 98, 99. I think that's when 24 Hours to Live came out. It's a, The video is stark. It's the locks and back then P. Diddy and X on a school bus, like a prison school bus. And I think he's the last on the feature. And, of course, you know, with his delivery, the man is barking, and it's awesome. You know, I mean, I think Trevor Noah said this on an Instagram post. I, this was how good, how amazing DMX was. So the man literally barks before and after verses in the middle of verses and everyone is cool with it and i couldn't co-sign it more because it's so iconic it's so unique but i think that's my first exposure to him like who in the hell is this guy uh and then i think that you know kind of morphed into the rough riders anthem obviously um and then i think my next video i saw of him was how's it going down um and that really kind of launched me into you know if, if tupac was with me from you know age 11 through high school and then i think dmx kind of when Pac passed away dmx was the one that kind of filled that void for me as hey if somebody asked me 
who's your favorite living rapper? You know, I think DMX was always that answer for me. Even in these this last decade where he wasn't putting out as much content, I think that was still him. Maybe a little Eminem in there, but as, as if Tupac's my favorite of all time, then X is absolutely, you know, sitting at the right hand uh, of the throne, so to speak. And I think, you know, if I think back to college, I, it was fun for me. Fun's the wrong word and, you know, talking about mourning and remembering somebody. But, you know, the passing of DMX allowed me to reach out to some of my past teammates here at Willamette, Harold Subla Jr., Marcus Johnson, uh, some other folks that remember me fighting tooth and nail with guys when we were making our CD mix, our mix CDs for warm-ups. Um, they all going, Kip, you're going to get, I know, you want Tupac and you want DMX. I'm aware. You got, it's got to be clean or they're not going to let us play it. And I do remember finding a remix uh, with Tupac, DMX, and Nas on it that was absolutely what we jammed to at the start of every warm-up when I was a junior and a senior uh, at Willamette University. So um, that's kind of a brief history. You know, I've got all the albums, obviously, uh, even the terrible ones these last four or five years. Spotify, you know, my, my DMX playlist is is entrenched in deep uh and I, but i'm not going to bore you with hey this was my favorite song this was this you know i, I really want to dive into a couple things here one being the tupac comps um and i, I don't i'm not i don't think dmx ever claimed that mantle of hey look at me i'm the next tupac i think as a matter of fact him and 50 went after ja rule for trying to be too much like tupac so I, i'm not going to put that on him as saying but for me it's probably the closest uh, to somebody reaching the level that I wanted his stuff immediately and wanted his voice in my ears as much as I wanted Tupac's. Not quite. Uh, Tupac's still the GOAT, in my opinion, but I would put X right there next to him. And I think it goes beyond the superficial. Um, you know, they're both bald black men with do-rags that they wore, both of them in a unique style, right, that nobody else was going to wear. They both like to rap a lot without their shirts on. Um, yeah, but I think that it was kind of the, the triggering, triggering it's, a, it's the wrong word to use, what each of them invoked in my body as a response to listening to them. You know, I think if, if anything, Tupac was always the one making me aware and making me question the existence that black folks were undertaking in this country, um, whether that's through, you know, Brenda's got a baby, keep your head up. Um, Tupac was the one opening your eyes uh, to what was happening. I think DMX was the one that made you feel, um, you know, I think DMX made you feel unstoppable. DMX made you feel fearless. Um, now, in hindsight, you realize some of those things that DMX was was making you feel were toxic. Um, I mean, he, he is the epitome, right, of testosterone and toxic masculinity in many of his songs and appearances. But I think the thing that you get with both of them, with Tupac and DMX, is, is really dualities. It's, you know, yins and yangs. I mean, with Tupac, you could get Brenda's Got a Baby, Keep Your Head Up, Unconditional Love from him. Um, with DMX, you could get Slippin', Goodbye. Angel, you could get these introspections, these reflections on their life, on their errors, on their, on their shortcomings. At the same time, you might get hit them up. At the same time, you might get Trina Mo from X, and and you could get um, both of them. I I think maybe internally, I don't want to speak for them, and people that know them obviously better could speak to this better. But I think they both were very conflicted souls. Um, and I think you could resonate with that as a, as a fan because you know yourself you're not perfect. Uh, so to watch somebody um, go through it real publicly, I think they both were raw and open and not afraid to be, hey, this is me, all of me. I'm a very flawed individual, and I'm going to share all sides of that with me, which I think a lot of us are scared to do. Was that a conscious effort by them? I don't know. Um, but I, I know as a fan, that's what made me probably gravitate to both of them 
is look at the struggle. You can see it in the lyrics. You can see it this song to that song. And albums for them were sometimes stories evolving of good, bad, and everything in between. Um, and you really had to come to a reckoning with DMX as a fan. Um, when with Pac as well, like as you age out of being a 15 to 20-year-old man, a boy really, and become a man, and you marry, you become a father, you have sons and daughters, you become, in my case, a leader of young men, and then you go back and you you turn on some of the songs that used to really get you in a, in a vibe of some kind. You start to recognize with yourself, like, man, where am I landing with these things? Uh, so for DMX, I, and I, I don't know, show up, I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think that's part of the greatness of, of what Pac could do and what DMX could do was really take you through the gamut of emotions and make you self-reflect. And you sometimes would land on, man, I don't agree with that shit, Earl. You could, you could land there, which I don't think is a bad thing either. Um, the timing of his passing uh, for me was, was really unique in that we had just run a lesson with our teams of men character development here at Willamette. It's based on lyrics of our players' favorite songs. And as coaches, obviously, we, we participated. But it, it's amazing that, that X would, would pass and, and be in the media spotlight um, during this when we're asking our guys to look at some of their favorite songs and self-reflect on what does that say about what you love? What does your favorite song represent that you co-sign? And all of, all of you out there that are X fans, you can put in whatever song you want of his and ask yourself those same questions. What does this say that I'm willing to put my name on it? And then, you know, the day, literally the day before DMX passed away, we had done the next step of that lyrics assignment, which was flip the script and ask them about what do these words in your favorite song say about you if you're bobbing your head to it? And you know that song is full of misogyny, violence, um, and all kinds of other problematic themes. What do these words say about what you're willing to tolerate it if we're blasting a list of your favorite songs, including Coach Kip, put in a DMX song there. If we're blasting it from our tea room, what does that advertise about us? Um, it really led to a lot of questions, which I think is probably in the, this, the strength and the greatness of DMX that will outlive, you know, his time on earth is if I can't condone all of this material, does that mean I can't listen to any of it? Uh, if it's just the instrumental of DMX, if it's just the instrumental of Ain't No Way, does that mean, is it even a DMX song anymore? Or is it just a Swiss beat, right? Is it just Swiss beats production? What do we expect of our artists? Like, what do we expect of people we're fans of? Is it as simple as a binary, hey, you have to reflect me perfectly in everything you say, everything you, every content you produce, or you can't reflect me at all? Or is it more complicated than that? And, and I think the, the power of, of the assignment we were doing and how I appreciated my guy's honesty in it and my coaching staff's honesty in it and my own, and in talking with my wife when he passed yesterday, was was DMX was constantly, whether it was purposeful or not, making you look in the mirror and say, I'm bobbing my head to this. Should I be? Man, I'm gonna I like this song. Should I? Um, am I condoning this person? Like I just heard him give a gospel. It was amazing. Then I saw this other part of him on this show that I didn't love. You know, and I know he's battling addiction. I know he's battling this. Um so so really, you know, it's I think that's the the greatness of what of the artist that we lost was the ability for anyone to that was a fan of his to be able to look in the mirror while listening to his songs and get to a place of reflection. And I think DMX did that in his life um, constantly. And I think that's the the power of what some of his music will be able to live uh, on past his on past his untimely death. R.I.P. Earl Simmons.
content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.